in 2021, I think we have some opportunities to find in the middle of the challenges. I really do. I really do. I think we have some opportunities to find in the middle of the challenges. And so I want to title today's uh, talk, which probably going to be a couple of messages here. What's next? What's next? Um, you know, I, I don't know if you ever played uh, pickup basketball, but uh, one of the things you used to say when you when you wanted to get into the next game is got next. Uh, what I'm not talking about is this idea of what now. What now? You ever hear that? Uh, maybe somebody's getting a little bit frustrated with you and you start to say something and they're like, what now? Um, and I, I think that it, it's not difficult 11 months into the pandemic with uh, so much in the way of uh, things coming at us over the past 11 months for us to feel like what now? But I truly believe that God has purpose for us. God has grace for us. God has purpose for us here and now. God is going to help us. And I think it's important for us to ask the question, what's next? And what I believe is that God is already at work. God is alive. God is aware. God is able. God is active. God is already at work. And so when we ask the question, what's next? I think we need to take that into consideration. What is God already doing? What is God already saying? The reason I'm getting into this is because I want to talk about some fresh vision for us as a church family this year. And hey, don't, don't tune this out if you're not into church or you're not even sure who the heck we are. Um, we're going to talk about some stuff that is going to be relevant for everybody. But I've got some fresh vision for us as a church family that I believe is from God and that I believe is faithfully consistent with what God has already been doing. But we can't talk about it without first talking about the essentials. What has God already been doing? What has God already been saying to us? What are the things that inform everything that we do? Listen, I, I think that we serve a creative God and that we are going to be doing things that are new and unique and um, that God's got something new for us, something next. And, and we should be asking ourselves, what's next? But in order to, to answer that question, we really need to have some clarity about what's going on right now. Who is God and how does that inform the way I see myself and the way I see my life? I think that's really relevant to us. Uh, we believe uh, the, the whole reason that, that we like to say love gives is that we believe that the love of God is faithful and patient and kind. And there are times when I'm not faithful, patient, kind. We all make mistakes. Check this out. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life shedding his blood. Hey, we all have moments when we choose selfishness. We find ourselves guilty with regret, remorse. Uh, you may already be feeling some of that right now for some stuff that, that you've done this week, said this week. We're, we're human. Now, thankfully, God's got grace for us. But the reality is, is that if we don't accept 
the grace of God, if we don't engage with it, then we are guilty. And if we don't walk with God in this way, we will be punished. And that's a part of what this uh, verse was talking about. It's a part of the human condition. Um, and so we all have these moments where, where we make those choices, where we, those, those things come out. And um, what we believe is that City Harbor Church is a safe place to find and follow Jesus. And what we're trying to do in finding and following Jesus this year, starting January 1, going all the way through the end of the year, is to read the New Testament together. And so today, in today's reading, we actually read Matthew chapter 28. We just finished that first book of the New Testament. That's the eyewitness account of Matthew, whose life was completely changed by interacting with Jesus. He was a person who had uh, as a had been a tax collector who was looked at as a betrayer of his people in working for the Roman authority and collecting taxes he'd made a, a provision for his own household but was socially rejected and 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 had uh, emotional needs and mental needs and he was completely changed by his interaction with Jesus and and in a reading Matthew's account I was uh really affected this week by reading um, about the the way that Jesus was treated at the end of his natural life with the way that he was personally betrayed and, and how brutal that must have been for him, how much he cared about people. He loved people. He had spent years with people, building relationships and, and healing people and doing miracles, providing food and, and delivering people from evil spirits. And, and yet he gets falsely accused people publicly twisting his words to to bring about a public condemnation putting him through a trial with the Jewish leaders of the Jerusalem temple and then with the Romans and and then through all of that this public shame that they put him through in 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 a public condemnation of him being worthy of the death penalty um even though they couldn't find anything actually wrong with him um and then what they did was they they tortured him and, and they they stripped him naked and they publicly executed him and you know this week as we were reading the that that account it it really had an effect on me and I, I was just you know spending some time in prayer and again just you know confessing my sin and it you know, anything fresh and, and asking God to forgive me and, and thinking about the significance of this and, and what it must have been like and what he went through and, and thanking Jesus for what he went through. And I think it's really important that we ask ourselves, why? Why did Jesus go through that? Because this is an essential part of who we are as individuals and as City Harbor Church. Here's what it says. Keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Jesus is alive. He went through the shame, the torture, the death um, on the cross for a purpose. And the purpose is explained a little bit more here. Let's uh, read a little bit further together. God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we've been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. 
the sacrifice of Jesus in um, what he went through on the cross, in his public death, it is the way that we can be made right in God's sight, purified, made it so that God only looks at us as though we've not done anything wrong. Going a little bit further from Ephesians, he is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. This is the way that God purchased your freedom through the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. Continuing, now you have been united with Christ. He's saying to Jesus' followers, Jesus' believers, we're brought into unity with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, have you ever felt that way? I sure have. Once you were far away from God, but now you've been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. Peter certainly understood this himself. He wrote it this way, referring to the fulfillment of the prophecy from Isaiah 53, referring to Jesus. He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin, removed, separated from sin, and to live for what is right by his wounds, you are healed. Peter is saying that believers in Jesus accept salvation from Jesus. Here's what we believe. Jesus went to the cross. He took on himself our sins. Why would he do that? Why would he do it? Well, John also understood at 1 John chapter 1, verse 7, if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Why would he do it? He would do it so that we can be freed from our sin, washed clean, have it removed, made right in the sight of God. Not no longer need to be walking around in our own shame, in our own guilt. No, we can be cleansed from it. The, the good news includes the reality that Jesus is not dead today. Jesus is alive. What did his resurrection accomplish? Look, he was handed over to die because of our sins and he was raised to life to make us right with God. When Jesus rose from the dead on that third day, it was proof positive. Listen, did you read the eyewitness accounts this week? Romans, professionals in execution. And, and I... I, I want to say, listen, in the last 20 years, there's been a number of archaeological discoveries that have proven facts that are in that account we read in Matthew. These Romans who were professional in these executions, they recorded it. The, the death of Jesus was recorded and that there were Roman guards who guarded the tomb with the specific purpose of keeping the followers from doing a hoax, coming and removing the body so that they could pretend that Jesus was resurrected. But an earthquake came, an angel rolled the stone away, and that the soldiers were sent packing. Listen, Roman soldiers who were professionals, who had crucified many people, while Jesus was alive in one stretch of time alone, the historian Josephus records that there were 2,000 people that the Romans um, executed. Many more were executed during the life of Christ. These professional soldiers, when Jesus died, publicly recognized that he was the Son of God. He was the Son of God. And they went public with their 
hey, listen, there was an earthquake, the stones rolled away, he was resurrected, he was alive. And then Jesus appeared to 500 people but the, in the 40 days after his resurrection, but his resurrection is proof that God accepted this penalty for our sin. Listen, you might be waking up spiritually right now. Maybe you've never heard this before. You might be waking up spiritually right now. You know, you can feel it. As I'm explaining this, as I'm talking, you, you, can, you can feel it. You know that you have guilt from your sin that needs to be cleansed, that you need to be freed from. A compulsion to repeat certain things, self-medicating with substances, sexual abuse, different things that's going on in you and you are trapped. You can't get out of it. You've tried everything You and you, you can't, you're trapped. You know that you need something else. You're carrying around the weight of guilt and things that you shouldn't be carrying. And you are waking up spiritual, spiritually right now to the reality that you can be free in Jesus. Maybe you've accepted Jesus in the past. And it's time to rededicate your life to him, to come back to a place of living with wholehearted devotion to Jesus. Maybe even in what I'm talking about right now, your spirit is just coming to life. You are waking up spiritually after what 11 months of the pandemic has done to you. And you are waking up to the realization of how this is priority purpose in your life. This brings value in your life and that maybe God is doing something and you need to come back to a place of wholehearted devotion wherever you are. Right now, if you are waking up spiritually to this, I want to lead out a prayer for salvation. And that is in summary of the scriptures we've already um, talked about, which we'd be happy to walk you through, give you um, a purple book, which is a list of questions with the scripture references to help make sure that you understand what we're talking about and what this really means for you personally between you and God. But what I want to lead us in a salvation prayer that's a summary of all those things and in this new relationship between you and God of receiving salvation from Jesus, looking to Jesus as your Lord and Savior and coming into a life of wholehearted devotion. So what I want to do is lead us in that prayer. So what I want us to do is to lead us in that prayer right now where we can make a confession of where we've been wrong, receive the forgiveness and the new spiritual life of Jesus. So, you want to, if this is rededication, a first time prayer, or you just need to spend some moments right now praying as you can sense your spirit waking up, feel free to repeat this simple prayer after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you died for me. I confess my sin. Forgive me. Come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. I turn away from the past, and I turn to you. Jesus, thank you. Amen. Amen. We're so happy for you today. Please reach out to us by phone or by email. If you prayed that prayer, we'd love to send you a gift and connect you with somebody that can help you on that journey. Listen, this, the good news of Jesus, is essential to the answer of the question, what's next? It's essential to the answer of what is the vision of this church? What are we doing? What are we here for? What's the future? Maybe you none of that connects with you. Maybe you're asking the question, why am I on earth? 
Listen, the understanding of who we are must be informed by who God is first. Otherwise, we're just setting up a, a house of cards, you know, stacking cards on a table to kind of build our life. I think we should ask these questions. Why, why am I on earth? What are we doing here? What is a church? What, what does that mean? How does that look? Where are we going? Listen, clearly, the church is not about attending an event. It's not about um, hearing curriculum so that you can become a better person. It's not about joining a club. It's a group of people that are following Jesus together. It's a shared spiritual journey. God loves you. God loves you. And in the good news of Jesus that we just discussed, in a relationship with God, we find identity. We find value. We find purpose. We find pleasure. We find a lifelong committed relationship with God. And that directly applies to what it means to be a church. Listen, I, I don't know if you've ever been with somebody who takes a trip to Ikea, comes home with some furniture, got you there to help them, and they say, I can assemble this without the directions, and it doesn't go too well. Sometimes we need to just stop before we create a flawed understanding of life and start with the good news of Jesus. Ask some questions about what that says. What does it say? It says that God is sovereign. God is powerful. God is all-knowing. God is a God of love. It says that God loves you, that God gave you life, that God knows you even in your worst mistakes, in whatever is going on, and he has already done what is needed to rescue it from it. Jesus went to the cross so that you could be free, no longer compelled to repeat the same mistakes over and over again, no longer compelled to, to self-medicate and abuse substances and, and, and people to try to make yourself feel better, to try to come to peace. God loves you. There's grace available to you today. And for us as a church family, we talk about our next steps, what's next for us. This is essential to it. We got to be really careful that we're not just winging it, coming up with our own ideas, but that this is at the core of it. Here's what's going to happen. All of us have this individual relationship with God. All of us have some unique ways of thinking. And real quick, we're going to realize that you can see exciting possibilities and purpose that you will not be able to reach by yourself. Because when you start to walk with God, you're going to get some ability to perceive some things spiritually. And as you get a taste for what the kingdom of God is like, you're going to discover that it is way bigger than you. And you're going to see the God's heart for and the potential to accomplish great things. And in the midst of being able to start to see some things that you can accomplish, you're also going to see some things that you cannot accomplish. Definitely some things that you cannot do alone. God has not assigned anybody to be off on their own, a lone wolf, a lone ranger. No, God's wired us for a relationship. God's wired us to be strategic in our connections with each other so that we could find identity, a sense of value, an understanding of our purpose, and in it, pleasure. That's what we should be getting out of all this from God. What is God's sense of my identity, my value, my purpose, and pleasure for all of that. Here's, And I, I think we need to just look really carefully at the, the, the direction that God had for us. Here's what Jesus said 
to people who were with him assembled as his wholehearted uh, followers. Jesus said this, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, the often misunderstood phrase I've done some translation work with, and that is go make disciples. In the original language, here's what I think would be a faithful way to rephrase that for us. Go, urging people of all nationalities and cultures to become my followers and take next steps in this journey. That should be, for every single one of us, a part of our understanding of our identity, our value, our purpose, and our pleasure. And it's something that is... Not easy when we take it on by ourselves. It involves our life, but not only our lives. It involves our opinion, our thoughts, our strengths, the people in our networks, but not only those things. We are better together strategically. We should be walking this out together. We read about how these followers of Jesus that he said this to responded, and that's in the book of Acts where we get a historical account of their immediate response to us. And that brings us guidance for us today. This might be a little bit intimidating uh, for you in, in hearing this and thinking about this. And so I just want to, let's keep it simple and stay focused on the words of Jesus. Because everything about our relationships with each other as a church family should flow from this. Let's not get it twisted. Jesus said, I will build my church. And here's how... The Jesus followers believed about what that meant about their lives. Together, we are his house built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. That's these spiritual leaders who were teaching the things that Jesus had already taught. And the cornerstone, the most important piece, is Christ Jesus himself. We're carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. We together are becoming a people, a place where the presence of God is in this close personal relationship. Through him, you Gentiles, all you people who are not Jews, are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. This is an inclusive community. Everything they did was a response to God's love, to Jesus, and to the teaching of Jesus. And just quickly summarizing some of the things that they did as a response. They shared in the communion meal, a last supper that Jesus instituted, where they talked about the meaning of the good news of the sacrifice of Jesus in this new covenant agreement with God and what it meant to be able to be cleansed of sin, have new spiritual life brought into this um, lifelong committed relationship with Jesus. They Also did water baptism, which was a way that they would make a natural sign of a spiritual cleansing that they had already received, this public confession of faith in Jesus. They prayed, they devoted themselves to prayer, conversation with God, in relationship with God. They would pray the scripture, which is one of the things that I have seen people doing this year more than before, and it is encouraging to see. When we pray the scripture, we're talking in God's um, language and understanding and truth. They, These Jesus followers 
They would pray in conversation with God. Uh, they would meet needs in their community. We see right away they are providing food for people. And we are excited. We're really close to being able to announce a new avenue of resource in our own grocery dis- distribution. They met needs of people. They actually sold some of their belongings to to give money to help uh, needs. Uh, and we have been doing that as a part of our own church family. Uh, it's been really exciting to see. They formed this inclusive community around following Jesus. And it was really a part of their identity. That's where we get these words. It is a body where each part is essential. Each person in the body, this analogy of like a physical body being like the church family. Every person that's in the body is essential and of equal value. We suffer together and we celebrate together. Wouldn't you like to be a part of those kind of relationships? That's what we're doing in City Harbor Church. That's what we are wanting to do more of in the future and with better quality. What we see in the book of Acts is the also that they saw healing miracles. There were people that were healed of things that would not have been healed of medically otherwise. There were also people that were freed from spiritual darkness. They went through life change. They had freedom from sin. There are people, it, it straight up says there are people that used to be nasty, that used to have toxic selfishness, and they were delivered from it. They were made new. The way that they were working together, going back to this analogy of a physical body, it's, it's described like this as far as God's work in it, the work of Jesus Christ in it. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. Now, that's an important phrase. We need to be active. We need to be active for this work. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow. That's not, hey, I'm off doing my thing. This is the thing that I do that's not helpful to others. What we're doing needs to be helpful to others, helping each other grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Wow. Okay. So helping each other, healthy, growing, full of love. That's how our church relationships should be working. That's how they should be focused. That's how we can evaluate if we're going about it the right way. Listen, a lot has changed. 11 months of the pandemic. Here's what I believe. God's purpose has not changed. Everything about what we're reading here, about what these Jesus followers did, how they responded, how they lived, a lot is the same. God's purpose has not changed. Now, God's methods have a wide variety. The way that we used to do things is not just like the way that they were doing things in the New Testament, right? There are methods that change. God, The message is the same. God's purpose is the same. But the message can change. Listen, God is a creator, God is the most creative being in the galaxy. If God is the most creative being in the galaxy, he's got new ideas for how we can be living now, for what's next. God has new creative ideas for what what is next. As Jesus followers, everything we do should be in alignment with the will of God and the work of God. This includes God's purpose and his pleasure. I should be bringing myself into alignment with God's purpose and his pleasure. What does God want? What makes God happy? What what would God have us to do? And that should bring us to a place. And here's one thing that we are going to do that I haven't talked about yet. I'm not going to fully explain it right now. We'll explain it more in the future. Bringing us to times where we spend some time together asking this question, what is God saying now? Not what do you think God said yesterday, 
when you were off by yourself. No, when we get together as Jesus followers, having quiet moments to listen to the voice of God and say, what is God saying now? What does God have for us for this year? And what should flow out of that if we are walking with a pure relationship with God is a shared values and vision that are in alignment with what I've been talking about here. Because it's straight out of the scripture, what God has been doing for a long time. God has revealed stuff to Rebecca and I and to the elders of this church about things that are in the future of our church. And we're going to talk about those things. But those things were not in a vacuum. They're not disjointed from, disconnected from what God was already doing because we spent years studying the scripture, studying the principles of local church and what God has been doing, God's value system that is seen in scripture, the way God works, what God wants to do with taking that as a foundation for everything. And then that's when God started to reveal the dream that he has for City Harbor Church and things in the future. And and all of this is going to be in keeping with where God is already at work. Listen, God has already worked. And here's, here's the thing. Check this out. All of this includes where God is already at work within you. God's already at work within you. He created you by design with unique gifts and strengths and passions. And what happens is as we mature, as we grow up, we realize it's not about me. And it's not just about me, my thoughts, my personal preferences and the way that I think things should go. But we actually learn to be collaborative. We actually learn to work together. We actually learn to work to come together. And if we are coming together with some humility, with some, I want to see what is God already doing? What has God already said? What are God's value systems? That's when it's possible for us to do things, go places, be solutions in ways that we could not when we were by ourselves. It includes your unique gifts, your unique strengths, your unique passions. And it also includes us coming together, bringing those things together so that we can take next steps. That's where there's melody, there's harmony. It becomes a symphony um, and not something that is disjointed. I don't know if you've ever realized it, but every Sunday, including through the pandemic during the countdown video, I have put up a slide about our church entitled, We See a Church. And I want to read to you those words uh, just to kind of help introduce some conversation about what I believe God has for us in what's next for us as a church family. We see a church loving Jesus in a way that people talk about. We see a church where people find salvation and healing in Jesus. We see a church helping people find careers and peaceful homes. We see a church where everyone can find a place that they fit. We see a church serving the city with love that works. Listen, we are already good at this. We are already have already done some amazing things. Did you know that in last year, between April and November, we gave away more than 7,100 boxes of groceries, each box designed for one family. Did you know that we have become a church family for people who didn't otherwise have one, a place where they could find and follow Jesus? Did you know that we offer Celebrate Recovery, a safe place to find healing and freedom from life's hurts, hangups, and habits, and that we have done that in prisons for a long time, thanks to Holly, thanks to Brian, and, and other volunteers as well. We do a lot of different things already accomplishing this. I want to close us out 
uh, with a story today from just one of the things that we, where we are already doing this well as a, another way of me just saying thank you to you for being such a great church family. I want to call, um, for, for the sake of anonymity, I want to call um, this person, uh, Ted Williams. Ted is going home. Ted has been one of our best students. He is a student teacher now and is pretty much a, uh, this is, by, by the way, a testimony from Celebrate Recovery Inside the Program, uh, Biblical 12-step program we've uh, done in prison. Uh, is pretty much a done deal. He was going away for 10 years or longer. He had a court date set um, in January where he was going to be sentenced, we thought, for 10 years. Oh, he was surprised when he was awakened yesterday morning and was told he was a, an add-on to that day's uh, court hearing. This doesn't happen very often and is usually only used in simple cases, which Ted's was not. So to be told he was bumped up to this uh, court date was a shock. Later in the day, in front of the judge, it didn't appear to be going well. End of the day, the judge was in a bad mood, and Ted had a rap sheet half an inch thick from decades of drug and alcohol abuse. The judge was talking about 10 years or more. Ted knew he had absolutely no reason to ask for mercy or grace, and especially not for, yet again, another chance. Finally, the judge asked him why he should release him. Ted replied, based on his past, there is no reason whatsoever to do so. This seemed to catch the judge off guard. The judge asked him, if I were to release you today, what would you do? Ted told him he had met with peer recovery specialists from a, a program, and if he were released, his peer recovery specialist had a one-year plan for him to live in a recovery house and work their program to give him the best chance to never go back to the life he had before. But added, Ted, whether you release... Uh, said to the judge, whether you release me or not, I got something new in my life this time in jail I never had before. I surrendered my life to Jesus while I was in jail this time. I called myself a Christian for many years now, but it wasn't until I got in a program called Celebrate Recovery that I finally learned uh, what that really means. So, Your Honor, if you feel I must pay for my crimes, I accept that, for there are consequences in life. And whether I'm in here or somewhere else, if I can just help one person not go down the path that I have, then it's all worth it. And I can help others no matter where I am. God's never going to leave my side. I know that now. In fact, I'm not even supposed to be here today. My court date is in the future. So there is a reason God wanted me in front of you today. Maybe that's to make sure that I stay in jail. I don't know. It's his plan and not not mine. The judge asked him if he wanted to stay in jail. No, of course not. It's not where I want to be. But if that's where God needs me, then there isn't a lot I can do about it. I learned to find the joy in it with God's help. Because if there's one thing I've learned, it's that it doesn't matter what you're doing in life. It's not what God wants for you. You'll be miserable. Because God's not in it with you because it's not his will, but your own. But if you are obeying God's will, no matter where you are and where he sends you, there will be peace and joy there because God's in it with you all the way. The judge and Ted talked for several more minutes and the judge told him while he appreciated the life change that Ted had experienced, he felt society would be safer with him off the streets. Ted didn't argue and, and uh, said the judge had to do whatever he felt knew was right. And so it was looking like Ted was getting a full 10 years as the judge and the prosecutor were talking. Then before the judge handed down the final verdict, he turned back to Ted. He said, 
Ted, I don't know why I'm going to do what I'm about to do because I was fully prepared to send you away for the next decade. But as we've been talking about it, I've been watching you out of the corner of my eye and you didn't flinch. You didn't deflate or hang your head in discouragement. I've been doing this a very long time and I've never seen a man not physically react when they hear my decision is made. So I believe there something really profound has happened to you and I think you will do more good outside of jail than in. So here's what I'm going to do. I'll suspend all but 18 months of your sentence and a court order uh, and court order you to the recovery program for the next year, followed with two years of probation. You must complete the program and the two years of probation. And if you do not, you will you will do every second of the 10 year sentence. But you do the next year in the recovery program and two years of probation. Stay track all the time and I'll amend the service, the sentence to time served. That is my decision. Court adjourned. By the time Ted returned to the prison, it was 6 p.m. and too late to be released that day. As he walked onto the tier, his name was called over the uh, speakers for Celebrate Recovery class. For the moment, he thought about skipping so he could stay in his cell and start packing, but he quickly rejected that thought. That's how I used to think, and that sort of thinking is what got me here in the first place. He thought he put his court papers on his bunk and jugged, jogged out of his cell, calling to the guard to not leave him behind. He was going to, to celebrate recovery and he, and he couldn't wait to go. Not because he wanted to tell them his news, but because he loved those men in that room and he felt a little sad knowing tonight would be his last class inside. That's when he realized he's feeling two complex emotions at the same time. In fact, not just two, but many emotions at the same time. This was new. He couldn't remember feeling more than one emotion at the same time. But there they were, and he realized this too was a gift. To feel the sad joy, the exciting fear, anticipation, the grateful sorrow, and the love loss of his life. It was almost overwhelming. As he walked into the room, Brian commented, You had a God moment today. I can see it all over you. Yeah, I did, Ted said, big time. After all the men arrived, Ted was asked if he cared to share what was going on. Yes, I would. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ, who has set me free in more ways than I can even count. My name is Ted, and today a miracle happened. That's one of many things that God has been doing through us as a church family. When we ask what's next, we will include asking what is God saying, what has God already said? What has God already done? What has God already put in our hearts, put in our hands so that we can move forward? We see a church loving Jesus in a way that people talk about. We see a church where people find salvation and healing in Jesus. We see a church helping people find careers and peaceful homes. We see a church where everyone can find a place that they fit. We see a church serving the city with love that works. This is City Harbor Church, a safe place to find and follow Jesus. Thank you for being such an essential, equal, needed, important part of this church family. Allow me to pray for us. God, I thank you that you are with us here and now. I thank you that you know each of us perfectly. You know our hearts. You know what pains us. You know what inspires us. Help us, God, to turn to you, to listen to you, 
bring healing where it's needed, bring forgiveness and cleansing where it's needed, bring freedom where it's needed. Awaken our spirits to see what you would want us to see, to hear what you would want us to hear. Bring us to new life in what's next for us in City Harbor Church. I thank you for it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for being a part of this, for sharing this time together. Grace and peace to you. Have a great week.